Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. So we are, of course, coming off of the huge heavyweight fight, the rematch between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, and it certainly lived up to the massive hype. We had the two giant marketing arms of Fox and ESPN promoting this one. You were seeing it on SportsCenter. You were seeing it everywhere, and it lived up to the hype, and we know now that Tyson Fury is now the man atop the mountain, the king of the heavyweight division. It was shocking. Um, I think the conventional wisdom was Deontay Wilder was probably going to win by knockout, right? He was trending in the right direction. I myself picked Deontay Wilder to win by mid to late knockout, and that was not at all the case. Tyson Fury gaining weight, coming in at 273 pounds and deciding to go right at Deontay Wilder. No more dancing, no more moving around the ring. This time it was, I'm going to knock you out. And what's crazy is that all through the promotion, all through fight week, Tyson Fury said this is what he was going to do. He was crazy enough to actually tell everyone what his game plan was and then execute it. He was able to get the third round knockdown, the fifth round knockdown, and then of course the stoppage in round seven. Fury has Deontay Wilder up in the corner, defensive. Mark Breland, one of Deontay Wilder's co-trainers, throws in the towel, and that is the end of the fight. And now Tyson Fury is not only the lineal champion, but he has an actual belt now. (laughs) No longer the imaginary belt, he has the WBC green belt, the championship And he is atop the division, right? So the question is, what's going to happen next? Deontay Wilder has 30 days to exercise his immediate rematch clause. And by all accounts, he will do that. If he doesn't, the stage will hopefully be set for Tyson Fury to take on Anthony Joshua, which would be a unification for all four belts in the lineal championship, something that's never happened before in the modern four belt era. So that would be a great scenario. And then if Wilder exercises the uh, rematch clause and we get the third fight the trilogy this year between wilder and fury again that's great too who wouldn't want to see that again um it was tremendously exciting and tyson fury gets a lot of credit for doing what he did i I said this on the last podcast that even though i was picking wilder i didn't think it was going to be easy i didn't think it was going to one of these dominic brazil type situations where wilder steps in the ring and knocks the guy out because Tyson Fury, if you look at his backstory, and he's talked about this extensively, he was able to outbox uh, Vladimir Klitschko. He was able to win the championship in 2015, and then he kind of went off the deep end. By his own admission, he gained a lot of weight. He was drinking. Uh, He went into a depression. I think he ballooned up to 400 to 450 pounds. Um, He was suicidal. He he talks about that extensively, that he actually uh, was driving his car and looking to drive it off a bridge. He stopped himself. He decided that he was going to come back. And on his first run, at his heaviest weight, he was running. He ran about uh, a mile and he stopped because he was so overweight. And as he stopped, he pulled out his phone and he saw a video of Deontay Wilder saying, now Tyson Fury's out, he's done, and uh, I don't have to worry about him anymore. And a lot of Tyson Fury's comeback in the last few years has been based on beating Deontay Wilder. And a man who has one specific goal and is doing everything in their power to achieve that is always dangerous. It doesn't matter who you are. And Tyson Fury proved that. So now the question is, now that he's 
at the mountaintop once again, right? Just like he was in 2015 when he beat Vladimir Klitschko. That time in 2015, Tyson Fury got there and he said, wow, this is all there is. Uh, the IBF stripped him of his belt within seven days and then it was kind of downhill from there. Uh, and that's when the drinking happened and, and the uh, depression. So the question is, can Tyson Fury still find uh, that fire of something to continue to motivate him? He said he tried retirement. That didn't work for him. So he needs fighting at the highest level. He needs that challenge, those goals. He needs to keep goal setting. And and he may be able to do that, right? The challenge of beating Joshua uh, or fighting Joshua, I should say. The challenge of fighting Wilder again and proving that not that anyone thinks it was a fluke, but proving that he could do do it again uh, would be another challenge. And for Deontay Wilder, I actually think this is one of the best things that could have happened to Deontay Wilder, and I'll tell you why. Now, we know, obviously, he lost his unbeaten. That O next to his record is gone, and that will probably shake his confidence a little bit because he was so confident, so charismatic, and being undefeated was a lot of his persona, right? It was about, it was part of his identity, and it's no longer there. But the reason I think that I say this could be a good thing is for so long in Deontay Wilder's career, since he turned pro, he's never lost. He's never had to uh, look in the mirror and make those changes, right? And say, what's working, what's not? And if you look at the last few fights that he's had, for example, he fought Luis Ortiz the first time around. Uh, in that seventh round, it was a nightmare. The fight was almost stopped. Uh, you know, And obviously, Deontay did come back and knock out uh, Ortiz that first time. But that was a scary moment. In the second fight, uh, Wilder wasn't throwing much. And then, of course, he found the uh, right hand. And that was strategy. He was setting it up. He was taking his time. So not to say that he wasn't having success there. But what if he didn't find the right hand in that second meeting with uh, Luis Ortiz, right? That would have been an issue. So it may be time for Wilder to at least go back and reevaluate. Uh, look at his trainers. Look at his training process. Look at everything. Uh, and he may come back better than ever. That remains to be seen. But it could end up being a good thing. So that was the recap of the the big heavyweight event. And now it's time to talk about it with some experts, some, with some people who are qualified to uh, to speak about this, who were there. And I have two great guests uh, to, to speak about this big heavyweight championship fight. So the first guest is Ray Flores. He's the PBC ring announcer. He was there on Saturday night ring announcing. He's also the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the international broadcast. So he was right up against the ring. He had a, a very good vantage point, and he's been obviously working with PBC and Deontay Wilder. He has intimate knowledge of everything Deontay Wilder's been through and all the success he's had. And so we're going to get his thoughts uh, on this fight, this rematch. Now, if you remember in the first fight, Ray Flores actually said that he felt like that was a robbery, right? He felt like Deontay Wilder definitely uh, deserved to win that fight, and he went so far to call it a robbery. So I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to ask him about what it was like to be there in person with the epic ring walks. I'm going to ask him about... Deontay Wilder and, and what happened, what went wrong. And the other thing you do not want to miss is there was a little bit of a Twitter spat between Teddy Atlas and Ray Flores. Teddy Atlas came out and said all along he was the one who was saying that Deontay Wilder couldn't fight. Now that's even though he picked Deontay Wilder to win. Ray Flores fired back calling Teddy Atlas Mr. Negative and he expands big time in my conversation with him. He is going to go off on Teddy Atlas and you don't want to miss that. And then my next guest he had the best vantage point on planet Earth for that fight. He was the third man 
in the ring, and that is referee Kenny Bayless. He was the official referee for Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2. He was uh, the man in the middle there. He had to break up the fighters. He had to call knockdowns against Deontay Wilder. He ended up taking a point off of Tyson Fury, and I'm going to ask him exactly why he did that. What was the reasoning? And the bigger part of it that you don't want to miss is after the fight, Wilder has come out. Some people could call it excuses. He said his uh, his suit was maybe too heavy, the 45-pound suit that he wore, the costume that he wore to the ring. Um, he also said that the referee was being unfair. He said that he felt like the first time he was knocked down, he was hit behind the ear. He was unhappy overall with Kenny Bayless. And I'm going to ask Kenny Bayless directly about those criticisms and get his response to Deontay Wilder. So, if you want to relive the big fight, if you want to get some analysis, I have you covered. First, Ray Flores, and then Kenny Bayless. I am Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karan Bhatia. This is the Ask the Experts podcast. I am lucky enough to be joined by Ray Flores, you've seen him ring announcing for PBC on ESPN Chicago Radio. Ray, I think you're everywhere calling these big fights. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Curtin, always a pleasure, my man. Great to talk with you. Uh, what a week for boxing. What a week for for combat sports. And what a week in the heavyweight division. Uh, there was a decently big fight, I think, this past Saturday, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say so. A few million around the world were checking it out. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know that you had one of the best seats in the house. You were right up there ringside. So just tell me about the atmosphere in Las Vegas, these two giants squaring off in a rematch, and we know what was at stake. What was it like being there? It was incredible, occurring because the entire fight week, you know, you have fight weeks, and, and you know, they're, they're all special. I'll be honest. They're all very special, especially, you know, when they're in Las Vegas or Los Angeles or New York, you know, the, the bigger cities where we have a pay-per-view. But this one seemed extra special. And the reason why, Kern, is because, you know, we had – this was not an easy uh, fight to, to pull off. And what I mean by that is that you had all these different entities working together. You had, you know, Top Rank. You had uh, ESPN. You had PBC. You had TGB Promotions. You had Fox, uh, the different PR teams. But everyone came together – and worked so well with one another that it was, uh, and I mentioned this many times, and I'll say it on your show as well, on your podcast, that it was like the United Nations of boxing. Everyone came together. Everyone was on the same page. Everyone was you know, pushing one another uh, in the best possible way. It was like being at the NBA All-Star Game with all these elite coaches and players, and everyone put on the best possible event fans and at the end of the day Curran uh, the fighters in my opinion delivered with Tyson Fury putting on a performance that I think will go down as one of the uh, the top 20 to 25 performances in heavyweight championship history absolutely and I think it's it's these big events where two networks can come together uh, are always great you know it Mayweather and Pacquiao with HBO Showtime coming together same with uh, Lewis Tyson back in the day and and you know promoters and networks have come together before but it when it's a fight of this magnitude um, it, it's always something special and it seems like everyone at the end of the day wins so let me ask you before we get into 
the fight itself. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the first fight because I know you were calling the first fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, of course, know that Wilder got the two knockdowns round nine and round 12. Um, When they went to the decision, uh, I know that you were pretty surprised when you heard that it was a draw in the first fight, right? Yeah, I I was because here's my thinking is that I thought because of the two knockdowns, uh, that makes it, those are those are two rounds out of the, out of the, uh, the 12. So heading into this last fight and, and I'll say it on, on your podcast is you mean to tell me that, you know, Tyson Fury won the next eight out of the 10 rounds when there were a couple rounds that were toss ups. I don't think that was the case. So again, that is my personal opinion. I was like, what a split decision. Like that's crazy. Cause I was like, wait a minute, like this, this doesn't add up. Now the draw happened, and I was like, okay, I can maybe see a draw. So the rematch happened. Obviously, we know what transpired there. But, yeah, the first fight to me, I was a little surprised because Wilder did get the two knockdowns, meaning all he needed were two rounds to be able to get a draw, even three out of the next ten, to win the fight. And I thought that you know Wilder a narrowly edged Fury in the first fight. And in the, in the interim period... Uh, between the first fight and the second fight, who, in your opinion, who did you think was kind of trending in the better direction? Who was going to have the advantage coming in? Because it felt like I, I myself was picking Wilder. I think a lot of people were, were picking Wilder because we saw what he did to Luis Ortiz, uh, avenging that first fight and knocking him out even sooner. Uh, and, and Tyson Fury, I mean, he was having some tough fights. You know, he looked great against Tom Schwartz, but then against Otto Valin, he struggled because of the big cut. He was fighting in WWE. Um, he mm-hmm. was he's, he wanted to dabble in MMA, he said. He, he recorded a music album. So it seemed like he was kind of all over the place. Were you also feeling that way, that, that Wilder was trending in the right direction coming into this rematch? 100%. And I'm glad you brought that up, Curtin, is that, you know, when, when I look at their body of work after that first fight. Wilder knocked out. Dominic Brazil, you know, wiped him out. Highlight reel, knockout in the first round. Comes back and, and beats Luis Ortiz, you know, wipes him out in the seventh. Um, whereas Fury, you know, the, the 47 uh, stitches that he had in his right eye against Otto Valin, and Valin pushed him uh, before Fury was able to get the victory. So I'm like, wait a minute, like, Fury's, you know, in WWE, he's got a, a massive cut. It was only five months after the fight that he had with Valine that now he's in the ring with Deontay Wilder. But you know what, man? Credit to the Gypsy King for coming out and, and changing trainers, which, you know, during fight week last week was not the most popular. Uh, like, we all know what Javon Sugarhill Stewart can do. But the fact that Fury changed trainers from Ben Davison, I was thinking, I'm like, man, Davison is a heck of a trainer. Him and Fury have such great chemistry, and now he totally changed him. Davison wasn't even in the corner, but it was the best thing for him. And again, man, it was like we all had these doubts about, you know, everyone was like had doubts about Tyson Fury. Oh, his conditioning. Oh, his, you know, why is he changing trainers? What's his headspace like? And it was the total opposite. He was focused. He was in shape. He looked. He fought a masterful game plan, and he went right out. And he did what, in my opinion, we thought was impossible. He walked Deontay Wilder down. I've never, ever, ever in my life, Curran, seen another man do that to Deontay Wilder. I could not believe it, man. I was blown away. 
No, absolutely. I think I think a lot of jaws were dropping in the arena and around the world watching. Deontay Wilder has had such, such big success knocking out every opponent that he's faced except for Tyson Fury. And I think it was shocking to a lot of people. So uh, I want to ask you about the fight. But real quick, I know that you were, of course, announcing at the weigh-in. And mm-hmm. at, at the weigh-in, Fury came in at 273 pounds. Now, he's usually... In the high 250s, low 260s, uh, the one time he was at 276, that was his comeback fight after being uh, out for three years and he had gained mm-hmm. you know, 400 pounds type thing. So were you surprised when he weighed as, as much as he did, 273 pounds? And did you think, oh, that probably means uh, maybe he didn't take this as seriously. Maybe he gained a little weight in a bad way. Well, you know what, Kurt, the, the thought process is – could be that for those at but i've been looking and i paid attention to uh the face of tyson fury to how his arms looked and he looked in great shape i mean a hundred percent current he looked in amazing physical shape and i was like wow i'm like you know even if fury i didn't buy the fact that he was 273 i thought he might have put some stuff in his pockets he weighed in with his shoes on i'm like this is tyson fury playing games with us I 100% knew after that weigh-in, I'm like, Fury's in great shape because his face looked really slim. His arms looked ripped. I saw some veins in his arms. And, and when you have veins in your arms or you're able to show you know, some of your veins and, and be kind of veiny, that means that your body fat content is low, that your body uh, fat composition is low. So I knew that Fury was in excellent shape. I just thought he was trying to play games with Deontay Wilder and and that just makes you know Tyson Fury that much brilliant because not only does he give you a different look inside the ring but he tries to play these mental games with you and get you off of what you're trying to do so overall from start to finish when it came to the trash talk when it came to the weigh-in when it came to the fight everything I don't think could have gone better for the new heavyweight champion of the world. No, absolutely. And in, in terms of mind games, it's interesting because he his mind game was telling Deontay Wilder his game plan. He said during the whole buildup, he said, I'm going to knock you out in two rounds. And I don't think anyone thought he could even get close to that. And of course, it ended up being a seventh round knockout. But he did tell him the game plan, which was he's going to come forward and, and try to knock this guy out. So early on in the fight, The fight starts. Fury's sprinting towards Wilder. He's putting on pressure. Wilder did have some success in the first round. He landed a couple of right hands, um, but they they weren't able to get Fury out of there. And then it was all Fury from that point onward, it seemed like. Uh, Wilder had a little bit of success in the second round. He got one of the scorecards on one of the judges, uh, from one of the judges in the second round. But overall, it was all Fury. So at what point when you were watching the fight, did you say, uh, wait a minute, this is a different Tyson Fury than we've seen before, and this is surprising? Second round, Curran, and I'll tell you what stands out to me. And, you know, I was calling the fight for the international telecast alongside the, you know, super talented Christina Poncher uh, from Top Rank. And, you know, I thought that everyone there was is phenomenal along with, you know, TGB Promotions and PBC. But there is a point in the second round, Curran, where Fury is, is going after Deontay Wilder and they come uh, very much to where the broadcasters are. I was sitting a row behind the, uh, you know, the pay-per-view broadcaster, Joe Testa or whatever, but I was in the middle. And there's a part where Deontay Wilder puts his arm on the top rope and he takes a big, deep breath. And when that happened, I'm like, that doesn't look good for him. I've never 
never in my five to six years, if not more, being around the Browns Bonner, I've never seen him grab onto the top rope and take a big, deep breath. And then Fury kept coming and coming and coming. I'm like, that's not good for him. And Fury's confidence kept growing. Then you get the knockdown in the third round because of the shot to the ear. I felt it a round or two, like a round before Curran. And then that shot to the ear, I'm like, oh, man, he's in major trouble. And it was it was a masterful performance, man. I mean, I I give the tip of the cap to to everyone involved with Tyson Fury for, for doing a, what he did, uh, such a historic and, and memorable performance. I mean, you just don't do that to Deontay Wilder, and Fury did. No, absolutely. And, of course, the knockdowns that, that you mentioned, round three, uh, round five. So the, the afterwards, I know Wilder mentioned that he felt like Fury was hitting him uh, on the back of the head, behind the ear. He, he talked about that that third-round knockdown. When you saw that third-round knockdown, um, what was going through your head? Because I, that's the first time we've seen Deontay Wilder hit the canvas uh, you know, since the beginning of his career. So what, what were you thinking when you saw him go down yeah. for the first time? And it, it, it's getting, it went from bad to worse. Like now it's, it is a, it's a moment where, you know, how can he deal with this adversity? And it's one thing to be knocked down, Kurt, and it's another thing to get hit on your ear. And then blood started coming out of the ear. And, and I pointed this out because I've seen this with many fighters. I mean, you know, not only am I fortunate enough to do these, you know, bigger fights, but I do a lot of fights you know, when it comes to guys that are kind of coming up on the scene and everything else, you know, the, the FS1 fights and, you know, doing the, you know, the prelims of, of Showtime Championship bro- boxing broadcast. I see a lot when someone's ear starts bleeding and then they're not, I see that their balance is off. Then that's an issue, especially with Deontay Wilder. And the reason why is this, when your ear, when your equilibrium is off and you get hit by the ear and you're bleeding, that means that you can't have and maintain proper balance. Deontay Wilder's punching power comes from his base. Everyone thinks, oh, the right hand, the right hand. The right hand, yes. However, he generates that power based on the fact that he generates all that upward movement and leverage um, with his legs. And when your legs are no longer there, that's a significant issue. Couple that with a guy who's 270 plus who moves like a middleweight, who's given you and given proper feints, it, and then who's got punching power, that has disaster written all over him. It's a miracle, Curran, that Deontay Wilder lasted seven rounds because most guys would have succumbed after the third or fourth round. Absolutely. It was a, a nightmare start, a uh, nightmare and, and nightmare fight for Deontay Wilder. Um, and, and having Tyson Fury with the size that he has and the movement is just very tough to deal with. And we saw that on Saturday night. Round five, Fury knocked down Wilder again. The other thing that happened in round five that was interesting is Kenny Bayless took a point off of Fury because uh, Fury was pushing Wilder's head down, leaning on him. And that was actually Fury's strategy against Steve Cunningham in 2013. He he, you know, he used his body weight to tire out Cunningham, and Kenny Bayless wasn't going to have it. What did you make of Kenny Bayless's performance as the referee throughout the entire fight? He separated the fighters a lot. Did you think he did a good job, or did you think he was a little bit too involved? I, I thought he did an okay job. I think there were things in the fight, Curry, because I watched this fight three or four times again. I think there were things that he missed. 
And, and I think that that's unfortunate. And I think the things that he missed are problematic and, and it needs to, you have to be more aware about how, look, these are two veterans and Fury was doing veteran-like tactics, but you can't allow that to continue. You have to really make it a point. I know that he deducted a point from Tyson Fury, but it's one of those things, Curran, that I thought he had an okay night. It's not good enough to have an okay night at this level. You have to have a great night, a phenomenal night as a referee. Uh, I thought, and I know that I'm going against popular opinion here, in the first fight when Jack Reese refereed the their matchup in Los Angeles here at Staples Center, I thought Jack Reese had a really good night. I mean, he had an exceptional night. And at this level, you need to have a great night. Kenny Bayless, okay, but okay at this level, in my opinion, isn't good enough. It, it you know the, there seems to be some people who think he did a good job. Some people think he was too involved. I know Wilder was unhappy with Kenny Bayless after the fight. Um, so in the last round, the seventh round, uh, Fury has Wilder up against the corner. Uh, the towel comes in from Mark Breland, who is Wilder's co-trainer. Mm -hmm. So what did you make of the stoppage? Because after the fight. Uh, you know, people were split on the stoppage. A lot of people say Mark Breland did the right thing. He saved Wilder in a way. He protected him, his health. Max Kellerman was on the broadcast afterwards, and he said, you know, the fact that Wilder can always end a fight with his right hand, he thinks that maybe it should have continued. W what is your take on the stoppage? I thought, look, who am I to judge? But I'd rather have a fight be stopped too early instead of too late. And I say that about everybody. It's not just Deontay Wilder. It's not just Tyson Fury. It's about everybody. Curran, these guys have families. They have loved ones to get home to. And, man, the, the last thing I want to see is anyone get seriously hurt. You know, Deontay Wilder has done a lot of interviews since, uh, several interviews since that fight. And he's okay. He, he seems to be, you know, for the most part healthy. That's all I care about. Look, he has a rematch clause. And, and now that it, it looks like it's going to be implemented. So I thought that the, that I'd rather see a fight end too early than too late. But again, I'm not the heavyweight champion of the world. I understand why Deontay Wilder was upset towards his corner throwing in the towel. But from a fan's perspective, from a media's perspective, what if Tyson Fury would have landed a couple more big punches that would have concussed Deontay Wilder or would have in, you know, given him um, more damage or, or something bad could have happened because of those punches. I'm not in favor of that, man. I know that it goes against what the champion was believing and how his whole mindset is. But I would tell him and say, look, D, like, and look, Tyson Fury, I want to see you guys go home to your family and friends. You guys got paid millions of dollars. Go enjoy those millions of dollars. A loss is a loss. People come back from it. It's okay. Live the fight another day. That's my opinion. Absolutely. And now, hopefully, we get to see it again. Uh, fighter safety is super important, especially after the 2019 we had with five deaths in the ring. So, um, now, we, like you said, we, Wilder has most likely triggered the rematch clause. Uh, there's also speculation that he may be dumping Mark Breland uh, from his camp. We, that remains to be seen. The, the other part of it that came out is that Wilder said the reason that his legs were gone were, was because the suit that he wore in his ring entrance uh, was 40 to 45 pounds, and he felt like that weighed him down and his legs were gone. 
What do you think about that reasoning by Wilder? Look, anytime you have any kind of weight like that on your body, that's not going to help you. It's only going to hinder you. And with the way these big fights work, and I mean, you've been around it at you know the highest level as well. You know, it takes a while for these ring walks to happen. So, from a, for those that don't know, what they do is as you're preparing for your fight, they give you an idea timetable wise. They're like, all right, you got an hour before the ring walk. You got one hour. Then they'll come back and and they'll say, you know, you have, you know, 20 minutes before your ring walk. You know, start to get yourself like, you know, you really got to get yourself ready to go. Then it's like, all right, 10 minutes. So around that 10 minute mark, et cetera, et cetera, you start to put on your ring robe, your ring attire. Ring walks take a while to get from the back, the dressing room of the MGM to get into the ring the process takes, depending on how fast you're walking and the TV aspect, that might take another 10 minutes. So you put on your outfit 10 minutes before you're supposed to walk, then another 10 minutes as you walk, and then you get in the ring. So you're wearing something 45 pounds for almost over 20 minutes. Then the guy that you're supposed to be fighting weighs 270 plus and can move and is putting his body on you and making you, you know, leaning on his body so where your back is against the ropes. That's not a good recipe for that. So I think that they should have done a dress rehearsal or something should have been talked about before as to say, maybe this isn't the right outfit for us. Mike Tyson, I thought, did it brilliantly. Came out, black shoes, black trunks, a towel over his chest, he was warmed up, and he hit the ring. I kind I, I like the the entertainment aspect. I'm good with that. Like when Fury came out on the throne and everything else, and when Wilder's ring entrances have been ridiculous. But at the end of the day, Curran, it's about performing in that very ring. I kind of think that for Deontay Wilder, he needs to go back to the basics, wear a robe, Although I'm sure it'll be a really nice robe, you know, get yourself revved up, get yourself loose, warmed up, walk to the ring and get ready to handle business. He, everyone knows he's an entertainer. No need to continue that narrative. He needs to get back to the basics, in my opinion. And I'm excited to see what happens next for him. I'm also excited to see what happens next for Tyson Fury because Fury now is on a trajectory to be one of the biggest sports stars in the world, not just boxing. Absolutely. And and the last time Tyson Fury made it to the mountaintop when he beat Vladimir Klitschko, he got there and he said, wait a minute, this is all there is. And he kind of spiraled into a depression. He gained a lot of weight. So it'll be interesting to see how both men make adjustments, hopefully into the trilogy fight. And like you said, Deontay Wilder would probably be smart to uh, lighten up the load in the trilogy fight if and when it happens. So after the fight, uh, I was just curious to your thoughts about the way I, I know you spoke about this on Twitter, uh, the way that the media covered Deontay Wilder, the way that, of course, boxing Twitter, if, if you if you're a person who watched Deontay Wilder and didn't like him before you had, you know, all the ammo you needed to to try to take a shot at this guy. What did you think about overall the the, re, the reaction by the media and boxing Twitter about Wilder losing? Awful, awful, 100 percent awful, Curran. I, I think it is disgusting to me that we look at fighters and we, we applaud them, we uplift them, 
you know, we talk about how much that they are these killers and, and how dominant they are. But the second a fighter loses, the second he stumbles in his professional career, oh, he had flaws. He really isn't as good as we think. He's limited. He's a joke. He's this. He's that. I'm tired of it, man. And you know what? It's about time that we that are in the media, guys like you, guys like me, guys like Dan Canobio, that we come up and we step up and we say to the boxing public, to the fans, this is unacceptable because the, without the five fans, we wouldn't be where we are today. But it's wrong that they're throwing these guys under the bus after losing one time. I pointed out that Hagler, Hearns, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, they've all lost. You know, we only have Rocky Marciano, Floyd Mayweather, not many guys, uh, Joe Taggy as well, that have lost, that have never lost. It's okay to lose, but that just goes to show you how fickle our society is. Can you imagine is in entertainment, for those that love Kanye West, if Kanye were to go to jail, these same people that spend $2,000 to get the newest Yeezys are going to say, oh, Kanye's really screwed up and blah, 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 all this other stuff. It's ridiculous, man. Stop tearing down and uplift. Give credit to Fury for what he did, which I've done, and I think it was a remarkable performance. But also, don't discount what Wilder had done to that point because essentially people, what these boxing media members who are criticizing Wilder are doing for his flaws and all this other stuff, like, hey, idiots, and I'm going to say this, and you can put this on Twitter, hey, idiots, by you saying that Wilder is so limited and everything else, you're taking away some of the credit of what Tyson Fury was able to do. Instead of saying that Wilder had flaws and all this other stuff, how about saying, hey, Fury was just that damn good, and he put it on him that night. That's all we have to say. Absolutely. And one of the people uh, on Twitter that I know you responded to, and I just quickly wanted to ask you about it, was Teddy Atlas. Uh, and real quick, for anyone who, who maybe had, hadn't seen it, Teddy Atlas said after the fight, how many times have I said uh, Wilder does not know how to fight and people attack me? Where's that eraser now? End quote. You responded. You said, what in the hell are you talking about? Didn't you pick Wilder by KO? Um, so what was your, what about what Teddy Atlas said, uh, bothered you as much as it did? And, and what do you make about his comment? He picked Wilder to win, but then now saying that, Hey, he, I always said from the beginning, he didn't know how to fight. Teddy Atlas current needs to go away. He needs to go away. I'm tired of hearing him be so damn negative about our sports. He's given a lot to the sport, but he's constantly ripping down and tearing down this guy sucks that guy sucks this judge should be thrown in jail this referee is this this referee is that this life this sport has provided teddy a livelihood and has given him popularity and acclaim and it has you know allowed him to pursue the sport that we all love and i'm sick and tired of him getting into his old man ways of saying everything about this new generation sucks. He picked Deontay Wilder to win by knockout, and now he goes back and rips him and ridicules him? I'm done with it. Because the bottom line, Curran, is that we are now in this transitional phase from where the old-time guard is now sort of 
not having, uh, they're not around as much. But when you have people that listen to this kind of garbage from Teddy Atlas, this kind of nonsense, this kind of inept analysis, that pisses me off. So I'm okay with the challenge Teddy Atlas because I think he's wrong. Instead of us as a community and as a, a boxing community, instead of us ripping down people, we should be uplifting. When the New England Patriots lost their first Super Bowl or when they went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the New York Giants and they were undefeated, did people say, did the American public say Tom Brady sucks, Bill Belichick sucks? No. We said, hey, they had a heck of a year, but the New England or the New York Giants were that were just better. And they are the champs, but nothing should discredit what the New England Patriots did. In no other sport in the United States do we have this fickle attitude about if a guy loses his undefeated record that we bury them. We didn't bury, you know, we don't bury, LeBron James has lost three or four NBA finals and he's still considered to be one of the top three or four greatest players of all time. Those NBA finals didn't diminish the fact of his greatness. I'm not saying that Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, with the fact that Wilder lost, no one was saying that he was the greatest of all time. They said he was one of the heaviest punchers of all time, which is the absolute truth. Look at the numbers. But for Teddy Atlas, I'll absolutely challenge him. And I'll challenge anybody that wants to bury a fighter and discredit them when there's no reason for them to do so. I'm tired of this self-sabotage in our sport. Well, I, I definitely appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your generosity with your time to talk to me. So I'm going to ask you one last question, um, and it's a two-parter. The first part is uh, when these guys hopefully do rematch Wilder versus Fury 3, uh, what would be your pick into that, rematch, into that trilogy fight now knowing what happened in the rematch? And the second part of that question is how would Anthony Joshua play into the equation if he got a shot at either guy? How would you think after what happened on Saturday night, how would those fights play out? I, I think when it comes to the next fight, Curran, I have to see. It, it's too early for me to give a prediction because I don't know if Deontay Wilder is going to make changes in his camp. And I've never seen him lose before. So I, I am going to sit back and wait to see what happens with the changes that Wilder makes. Now I'll say this. I think Fury should be the favorite, and he probably will be a, a significant favorite, justifiably so. Where Anthony Joshua fits into this whole thing, if he were to fight Tyson Fury, I can see him being an underdog. And th that fight, I don't know if there's a stadium big enough in the UK that'll fit the demand for tickets with that if that fight were to ever transpire. Joshua and, and Wilder, that has a long, long way to go. But with what we've seen, you know, you would have to favor Joshua based on the fact that you don't know how Wilder is going to respond. But when Anthony Joshua lost to Andy Ruiz, people were questioning the same questions that Anthony Joshua was dealing with after the loss to Andy Ruiz in June are the same questions that people are saying with Deontay Wilder. And I think it worked out okay for Anthony Joshua. Now, Deontay Wilder, now Andy Ruiz is certainly, or Tyson Fury is not Andy Ruiz. Let's put it out there right then and there. But... I want to see and observe to see how Ty or Deontay Wilder tries to get back to that mountaintop. Curran, I'm excited for this third fight. You know why? Because Deontay Wilder is going to be so much more focused, so much more determined, so much more willing 
to prove the doubters wrong. I've never seen him go into a fight a significant underdog. And I know that's going to upset him. That's going to see the true greats, the true, the the lifelong generation great fighters and players in sports. They come back from losses. And not only do they come back, but they come back better than ever. I think we are going to get the best Deontay Wilder in the summertime when that third fight happens. But what I'm even more excited about is I think we get an even better Tyson Fury, a better Deontay Wilder, a better Tyson Fury. I make for what, in my opinion, in the summertime current is going to be a legendary night for boxing. And however the result happens, we as fight fans and as media members get to enjoy greatness in the ring once again. Absolutely. We'll learn a lot about Deontay Wilder, how he handles this process, just like we learned a lot about Anthony Joshua. Uh, exactly what you said. It's it's an exciting time in the heavyweight division. We have some a great three-headed monster, and it feels like they are all willing, hopefully, to fight each other. Um and, and it's, a, it's a very exciting time, but bottom line, Tyson Fury right now is the man atop the mountaintop here, the WBC champion, the lineal champion, uh, and, and it, it is a really exciting time. Ray Flores, I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time, for breaking it down, for telling us all the angles uh, of this great fight, and hopefully uh, I get to talk to you again soon, and until then, I'll be looking forward to hearing your calls uh, for PBC and all the great, the great work you do. Kurt, thank you so much, my man, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. Sure. I'll say that leading, coming into this fight, and it's the absolute truth, Deontay Wilder was the baddest man on the planet. Tyson Fury went out there, fought the fight of his life, and now he is the baddest man on the planet. It was just wonderful for me to be a part of this grand event and for fight fans uh, to see that they were satisfied. I saw a lot of people all over in, different, in, in the general sports fans who watched on Saturday. They said, you know what? We came away so satisfied after that fight, and that made my heart happy because without the two guys, Fury and Wilder, for out their sacrifice, for out what they did for us, they're the ones who put on that memorable performance. Win or lose, doesn't matter. They together make something very special. It's like when you get Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in the same room with Joe Pesci, you're going to see something great. And that, for better or for worse, man, Thank you to Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder for giving us something so memorable. And you know what? Thank you for agreeing to a third fight, which I think can be even that much more memorable. Thanks again for all your help, uh, Curran. You do an amazing job. Love listening to the podcast. Can't wait to hear more, man. The great Ray Flores there breaking down the event, giving us his thoughts, his perspective of Saturday night answering Teddy Atlas very directly, giving his answer to uh, Teddy Atlas's criticism. Um, so I appreciate Ray Flores' time and his honesty there. Next up, I have the person who had the best view on planet Earth of Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2, and that was the only other man in that ring. That was Kenny Bayless. And he was heavily involved in this fight. He had to break up the fighters a lot. He had to call knockdowns. He took a point off from Fury. He had to, of course, call the fight when he saw the towel come in. So I'm going to get all of those things from his perspective. What was it like dealing with 500 plus uh, combined pounds of these two giants of men? How do you deal with that, right? So I'm going to ask Kenny Bayless about that. And also, Wilder has come out and been very critical uh, of Kenny Bayless. He said that 
he feels what he was told in the locker room wasn't held up during the actual fight. So I'm going to ask Kenny Bayless about Wilder's comments and if he has any response to those. You don't want to miss that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kenny Bayless. I am Karen Batia, lucky enough to be joined by legendary referee, the one of the best referees in the game, and that is Kenny Bayless. So, Kenny, uh, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome, and I'm glad to uh, be on your show. And you had the uh, gigantic task of the heavyweight championship of the world, one of the heavyweight championships of the world, and that was... Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, the rematch last Saturday. So I know that you've been involved in so many championship fights, so many high-level fights, but this this was a whole different animal because you're dealing with the combined weight of 500-plus pounds when you take in Tyson Fury's weight and Wilder's weight. Were you ready for that that type of assignment, dealing with these these giants uh, in the ring? Sure, I was I was ready, and, and uh, just in my... Uh, Daily, weekly, monthly activity. You know, I go to the gym. I work out. Um, um, I, I stay in shape. But like you said, uh, when you're dealing with 500 plus pounds of of uh, you can use the, the term beef if you like. I mean, there were big guys, and and uh, and uh, I, I'm glad. I'm just glad that that. Uh, that I do stay in shape. I do take pride in my health and and uh, be ready for whatever assignment the uh, uh, Nevada Commission assigns me, and uh, and 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 just know that I, I'm capable of doing the best job that 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 allows me to to do. And you've been the referee for some of the biggest boxing matches uh, of all time, and that includes Mayweather and Pacquiao, and on and on. So. When you first got the assignment of this rematch, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, where did it rank for you in terms of of all the the big fights that you've uh, refereed? Well, you know the the, the heavyweight division in in uh, America has uh, uh, over the last ten years or so had, had kind of uh, faded because the uh, the Klitschko brothers. Right. Um, um, it had basically took over all the the, the different uh, organizations as far as the championships. Uh, uh, Vitali, I believe, was Vitali had the 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 I the W the W B the WBA WBO and IBF IBO, and I think um, Vladimir had the WBC, and basically all heavyweight fights were taking place over in Europe and and so you know us Americans didn't get the the privilege of having any uh heavyweight uh, title fights but the the lighter weights were doing uh excellent we I mean in the lighter weight divisions and I'm talking about from from bantamweight to lightweight to welter to meet the middleweight all the way up there's a lot of talent so it hasn't been like in a, in in America, we haven't been getting our our uh, uh, our share because we have in the lighter weights, but but then since uh, Deontay Wilder um, um, uh, won the heavyweight champion and 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 has been doing as good as he's been doing and and then the the fight that they had uh, a little over a year ago at the Staples Center 
And then again, uh, bringing it up to me doing the rematch, it has brought the excitement back uh, uh, in in America, and uh, and I hope it continues because the the heavyweight division had been missed for some time here. Absolutely, and with this specific fight, uh, obviously it was a rematch. So I'm just curious for your preparation. Is it part of your preparation to go back, watch the first fight, uh, take a look at what happened? Is, did you did you study the first fight? Uh, yes, I did, and 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 that is a part of, of my preparation. Um, uh, knowing how uh, uh, close that fight was, and 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 knowing the, the importance of 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 the fight, uh, yeah, I took the liberty of going back, uh, looking over some uh, some some tapes and some video, and. Um, yeah, any any and everything is 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 helps us officials and and what we have to do as far as uh, what's upon us. Absolutely, and I know that uh, preparation is is a big deal uh, for referees to know what to expect from both fighters. So we of course saw you uh, in the locker rooms giving your referees instructions as we've seen you do for so many years. Um, is there anything that you could share with us in terms of specifics that? you said to either fighter in the locker room and said, you know, hey, I'm going to look out for X. For example, you know, Fury likes to lean down as his opponents use his weight. Um, I'm sure other fighters use different tactics. Was there any specifics that, that you talked about with, with Wilder or Fury that are different than the, the uh, normal stuff that you, do you talk to fighters about before a fight? No, basically it was, it was the, 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 the general uh, – uh, stuff that we usually talk about, um, uh, I mentioned to them um, uh, the, the, the key thing um, uh, when you're dealing with bigger guys is that they listen to your commands and, and respond to your commands because they're big and, and, and um, uh, uh, the, 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 the easier they respond to our commands, uh, the, the, the better it's going to make. Uh, for, for the fight itself and for us as well. So the the fight begins, uh, these two giants going at it, and of course Fury came out a lot more aggressive. Um, you as a referee, you, you have the best vantage point really on planet Earth. You're the third man in the ring. Uh, are you processing that at all in terms of, hey, wait a minute, this is a little different than fight one. This guy who was dancing around and moving is now kind of coming forward and being more aggressive. Was that in your thought process as all as you as you were refereeing? It, well, it was actually in my thought process that that could be a possibility before uh, the fight even started because uh, all, all the pre-fight hype, uh, uh, Tyson Fury uh, kept saying that he was going to knock him out in two rounds. Well, Knowing that ahead of time means that he's not going to be able to move around and dance and box like he did in the first fight. He's going to have to uh, the, 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 be more aggressive and, and he's going to have to uh, attack more if if he plans on his prediction to come true. So um, the first minute of a fight, uh, uh, I, I thought was 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 smooth and calm. I, I thought that. Uh, uh, Deontay Wilder was actually winning the first minute or so of the round because he threw more, and for the most part, it looked like Tyson was just kind of kind of waiting back. But before the end of the round, uh, 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 Tyson Fury picked his pace up, uh, started coming forward, and started landing shots while he was coming forward. 
So at the end of the first round, I knew the pace was going to considerably pick up because um, what what Tyson was doing was working and it was effective. And the second round uh, uh, proved to be the same same thing with with his uh, 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 aggressive uh, attacking. Uh, he was again landing more punches. And um, and so at that point in time, I, I, I realized that that this fight was not going to be like the first fight, that that Tyson had gotten uh, his momentum going and that he was going to continue to press press the action. Absolutely. It was a very different fight. And like you said, Wilder had some success trying to land right hands in the first round. But then it seemed to be mostly all fury from that point onwards in the third round. Fury landed the the right hand uh, seemingly on the ear of Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder went down. Now, afterwards, Wilder has come out and he said, uh, when he hit me on the back of the head, I turned around and held up my arms to the ref. Um, and he felt like uh, that concern was not addressed. Um, wh- what do you make about that third round knockout? Was it third down knockdown? Was that a legal punch? Um, did it hit him on the ear? Did it hit Wilder behind the ear? And what do you think about Wilder's uh, criticism after the fight? Well, I I, I don't comment on uh, Wilder's uh, uh, criticism. I know that when a fight, when a punch is coming at a fighter and a fighter uh, uh, turns his head or he uses any movement to try to avoid the punch, and the punch and the punch don't land in the in the area that it was directed because the fighter turned or ducked or moved in a way to avoid it, then it's still considered a clean punch. And so that was a a clean punch uh, based on that description. Um, the, the, The other thing Wilder said, he said, Bayless came into my dressing room, looked me in my eyes and said, if I hit Fury in the back of the head, rabbit punch or hit off a break, he would disqualify me or deduct two points. Um, he felt like that happened to him and he felt like that, uh, you know, the, the, the treatment was unfair there. I know you said, um, you don't want to respond directly to, to Wilder's cr- criticism, but did that, did that type of conversation happen, uh, in the, in the dressing room? Did you say, you know, of course, if someone rabbit punches, I'll take off points or, or disqualify you. Uh, th- that was discussed and, uh, and understand this. I said in the dressing room that. If I feel that a fighter deliberately commits a foul, yes, I don't have to give him any warning. I can take up to two points off of his score. Now, I didn't feel that, del- that, that, that Tyson Fury deliberately chose to hit him behind the head. Sometimes a, fu- a, a punch will go south. Sometimes a punch may not land directly where it was intended. And all that has to do with a fighter's movement. So with that being said, um, no, I didn't think that that Tyson deliberately, deliberately intended to throw a punch behind the head, a rabbit punch. So uh, with that, I give soft warnings, which I also mentioned in the dressing room. And if it continues, the soft warnings can go to me uh, making it a hard warning, which if you saw the fight, you saw me warn both of them because at that point in time, they both were doing 
little things, little things enough to add up. And then when I felt that Tyson Fury had done enough, I then took a point from him. And and that was my next question. Uh, in round five, of course, there was the knockdown uh, by the with the body shot from Tyson Fury. He knocked down Wilder. But later on in that round, uh, you took Tyson aside and you warned him and and you took off a point. So what exactly uh, did you take off uh, a point from Tyson Fury for in round five? Well, in the the the, the, the clinches, and I said this in the dressing room. If it's a if it's a clinch. And there's a hand free, I will give you the opportunity to punch out. But if it's a hard hold, I will give the command break or stop. And at that time, you are to stop what you're doing and take a clear step back. And uh, with Tyson Fury, I felt that when I gave the command break and stop, he would still continue to throw a, a, a punch or two. Uh, the, the punch wasn't damaging, but he was not listening to me. So the key thing for me and as, and as far as for uh, uh, referees is keeping control of the fight. Uh, so at that point in time, I felt it was necessary to take a point from Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury, uh, he's known for using his size to his advantage. Uh, obviously, he's a six foot nine, two hundred seventy three pound man. Um, so it's in his best interest to do so. Uh, he did against Steve Cunningham. Uh, in the later, in the middle to late part of that fight, he used his body weight. He leaned on his opponent. It, it, watching it from home, it seemed like he was doing that as well to Deontay Wilder. I'm just curious if you felt like he was leaning on Deontay Wilder. Um, if you feel like that's you know if he was doing it in a legal way in a, in a in illegal way. What did, what did you think about Tyson Fury using his body weight? Um, there are fighters uh, that 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 do that and would. With my um, uh, athletic ability, if I sense that, that that's a part of his plan, I'll try to get to the action quick enough to stop it from happening. Um, and, and, and when I say quick, I mean quick, because um, um, I've seen fighters go to a knee because of a, of a fighter uh, 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 draping over him. But at the same time, the fighter that... that um, that that's bending over and allowing this to happen, I tell them to keep their head up because if you go into a fighter bending over, then the common thing that they're going to attempt to do is try to drape over you to wear you down. So um, those are things that for, for, for us officials that we, 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 in our seminars, we, we, we talk about and we, you work on so that um, uh, fighters don't take advantage of, of another fighter. And and being that these guys are as big as they are, uh, they, they, they may be able to buy maybe a, a second or two more because they're big guys. And, and absolutely they are. Did you feel like another part of your job during this fight was uh, these guys would get in, uh, get kind of tangled on the inside, and you'd have to come in a lot. It seemed like a lot at least to break them up, to continue the action. Um, did you feel like that was happening more than, a, you know, the usual amount? Did you have to kind of get in there a lot, break these guys up and, and get them to, to stop locking, you know, locking horns uh, when they were fighting inside? Well, it was definitely more than the first fight. Uh, in the first fight, uh, when I out, uh, 
revisited it. Uh, I believe there there were maybe a, a dozen uh, uh, clinches that went to a hold, and the referee had to step in and and separate them. And um, yes, there were definitely more uh, in this fight because um, they were both trying to to gain a, an advantage in whichever way they could. So I mean that just made made more work for me, but. Like I said before, you know, I'm I'm prepared for it. And and the key thing for us, again, is to to try to keep the the, the flow of the action, make sure that the fight is clean and and, and above all uh, uh, the safety of the fighters. As the fight went on in the in the later part of the fight, Deontay Wilder it seemed like maybe his equilibrium was gone. He was he was uh, slipping a good amount. He was it seemed like he was almost falling around the ring at points. Um, you we could see your eyes locked into onto Deontay Wilder's face. Obviously, keeping a close eye on his condition. I know in the past you've said uh, if a fighter's legs are gone, you were gonna you were gonna stop the fight. Were there moments before the eventual uh, stoppage in round seven that you thought about stopping this fight uh, for Deontay Wilder? At the end of round six, I went over to Deontay and I, uh, a common thing that us referees, or the, the common term that we'll use is, um, you got to show me something. And when we say that to a fighter, we're saying actually that if you don't present something more than what you've shown, then I'm going to have to stop the fight. And I said to Deontay, then you have to show me something. Now, at the time I said that, he looked uh, fine and clear, uh, sitting on his stool. But when the bell rang and he came out, uh, like you said earlier, you can still see that uh, the equilibrium was a bit off. Uh, there might have been some fatigue in the legs. And, um, yes, I'm looking and 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 the, the, looking at a fighter the way I do also uh, indicates that I'm, I'm getting close because if I don't see you protecting yourself or showing me something that can give me reasons not to stop it, then I won't, but I, that that wasn't the case. And just prior to me um, uh, positioning myself and checking him out the corner through the tile end. And yeah, in round seven, Fury has Wilder up against the corner. Uh, he's landing combinations, and the towel comes in. So we're when that during that series, uh, were you thinking about stopping it on your own, or was it the towel that came in? Uh, and then, of course, you 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 stopped it at that moment. Um, just take me through the 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 end the final few seconds there. Well, the final few seconds, um, the, going into the round, I'm thinking what what we also try to do is uh, timing uh, when it comes to stopping fights uh, uh, plays a part because because um, uh, as you saw when the fight was stopped, uh, Deontay looked at me with with the with the look of why did you stop the fight and and so, so uh, th that moment may not have been the right time that i would have stopped it but i was looking for a time uh, 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 that i was on the basis of how and what fury was doing at the time and and that point never or that time never came because when i saw the towel 
then that meant that the corner had seen enough and it was time to, to stop it. And we could see you uh, waving the fight off and then pointing to the towel as Deontay looked at you. Uh, this is a man who's never lost in his entire career. Uh, so he was uh, he was visibly, seemingly uh, upset or confused. What did you say to Deontay about the towel? And, and what was he saying to you at that moment? Well, I just said to him that your corner stopped it. Because his response was, you know, why did you stop it? And I pointed over and said, your corner stopped it. Your corner stopped the fight. And, you know, Deontay has got a heart of a lion. I, I, I take nothing from him. But but in that point in time of the fight, I had to react to what the corner's request, and that was to end it. And that's what I did. And after the fight, uh, both fighters obviously in the ring for post-fight interviews, uh, the, you know, the official particulars being announced. Um, was there any discussion from either the Fury camp or the Wilder camp with you about the stoppage, about any issues with the fight? Was there any discussion post-fight? Uh, no, there wasn't. And, uh, you know, afterwards, now that the, the, you know, it's been a few days since the, the fight has, has happened, Deontay Wilder came out. He said he felt the suit that he wore into the ring. It was 45 pounds. It may have affected his legs. He's obviously made comments about uh, he felt like the referee, some of the refereeing was unfair in terms of the deduction of points for hitting behind the head. Um, do you think that he, in a way, is using you as, as a scapegoat for the loss? Well, you know, he has his opinion and and I you know kind of basically stay away from 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 comments from from fighters. I I do my job the to the best of my ability and and I have to um you know answer to my commission as to my performance and um I don't think that that uh, my performance caused them to lose. Um, so yeah, I I just don't get into to to, to those comments. I, I I I don't. I just know that I had a a tough job in front of me, and and I felt I did the best job I could to keep it keep it fair and keep it clean. You, you controlled the action, you controlled the fight, um, and, and now that it's been a few days, have you watched back the fight, um, or even when you think back to you, to, you know, to your uh, job as a referee that night, uh, were you happy with, with everything you did? Would there be anything that you would have done differently when you look back? Well, I haven't seen the fight yet in its entirety. I've seen little uh, blurts here and there, but Yes, uh, I will sit down. I will um, review the the video because this is for us. It's always about um, in, in, in improving our abilities to, as to what we do, and, and we learn from from uh, mistakes that we may make. And so, yes, I'll revisit it, and I will will determine what what happened. Uh, what I need to do if I need to to, to to clean up any areas and and continue to be the best official 
that I can be. And since since the fight has happened, uh, you know, I've always said that being a referee in boxing and professional boxing, especially at a high level, is a very underappreciated job. It's very difficult to do. You have to make split second decisions, uh, it, it, you know, uh, for the that are going to affect uh, fighters' health, their careers. Um, so it's it's very difficult to do. After this uh, fight, it was such a high profile fight. Have you uh, read about? Anything in terms of fans' reactions to to your job as a referee? Have you spoken to your colleagues, the commission, gotten any feedback? Has there been anything like that since the fight? Uh, uh, yes, there has, and it, and it's been all positive. Uh, 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 you know, boxing uh, boxing fans, the true boxing fans, know that that last Saturday night was a difficult fight to referee. And and I have only heard positive uh, feedback from people that did watch it, that know that with uh, Deontay Wilder at, at 231 pounds and a Tyson Fury at 273 pounds was was a, a challenge for me, and and the, the, the response I got was that they were glad I was in there. Uh, 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 handling as opposed to uh, 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 another official because um, despite what happened, they know that my work is clean and I'm fair and and I'm gonna do the the best job that that uh, that God has given me to do. Absolutely. When I hear that Kenny Bayless is a referee for a big fight, I know that it will be refereed fairly, uh, and I know that you have the experience to to referee the biggest fights. Uh, in our sport. So last question, if there is a trilogy fight, um, depending on if Wilder exercises the, the rematch clause here for the third fight, uh, I know it's not up to you. It's usually the commission's decision, but would you be interested in, in being the referee if there is a third fight? Well, uh, uh, I can't answer that question. Um, uh, like you said, it's up to the commission. Uh, my job is to do what the commission uh, uh, ask if, if, if I'm appointed, then I do what the commission ask. And, um, um, yeah, I, we're like independent contractors and, and what, whatever they say, I do. Well, Kenny Bayless, I uh, want to thank you so much for your time, for your analysis, for breaking down the event and, and, and letting us know what it's like to, uh, to, to referee from your perspective. Uh, thank you so much for the time, and I, I really look forward to chatting with you again and also seeing you back in the ring as a referee on some of the uh, highest profile fights in boxing. Very good. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end here. It was an amazing night, a heavyweight matchup for the ages. Tyson Fury is your new heavyweight king. And I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank all my guests. I want to thank Ray Flores. And I want to thank Kenny Bayless, the official referee for Wilder Fury 2. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank you, everyone who listened. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia at, on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. 
uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. Thank you so much. One more time. Enjoy the boxing uh, this weekend. And I will be back soon with another episode. This is Karen Batia signing off for Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karen Batia.